Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. Today, we are continuing our NBC webinar series with part two. If you haven't listened to part one, I will definitely link to that in the show notes. This is a continuation of our 90-minute live stream webinar that we hosted at the conclusion of October, talking with those who have been diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. In today's episode, we take a deep dive specifically into the research and where those research dollars are actually going. On today's panel, we have Abigail Johnston, Amy Parliman, Stephanie Walker, Victoria Goldberg, and Claudia Gonzalez. Thank you ladies so much for being here with us today. Before we dive into today's content, I just want to give a shout out to some of the free programs and resources that we offer at survivingbreastcancer.org. If you wanted to hop on over to survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events, you will see our insanely large portfolio and lineup of free programs available to you, ranging from expressive writing and art therapy to deep flap yoga, Thursday Night Thrivers meetups, support groups for inflammatory breast cancer, all stages and all subtype breast cancers, metastatic breast cancer. We obviously have our weekly podcast episodes. So again, shout out to all of you. Thank you for tuning in week after week and listening. And then we also have our Monday newsletter. So if you are new to our organization, you can hop on over again to our website, survivingbreastcancer.org to subscribe to our newsletter. So you never miss a beat of all the happenings. When I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer in 2017, I learned that much of that money that I thought was going towards the cure was actually going towards other things. The obvious thing here is I see nobody wants to cure us because there's too much money in it. Welcome to the conversation. In 2017, I was 38, um, so too young for mammograms. I was still nursing my both of my boys when I was diagnosed stage four out of eight. I was misdiagnosed for a couple of months, and then we figured out that um, I was actually stage four from the beginning. Uh, but different from some of these other ladies, I'm about to start my sixth or maybe eighth. I'm not really sure how we count lines of treatment. Uh, so I just started a clinical trial uh, with a, a novel agent, uh, which is a combination of immunotherapy and a vaccine. Uh, so I'm really excited, really hoping that this works and is a durable uh, solution uh, for the cancer in my body. And, and for many other people, the trial that I'm in is about to start a phase three and was recently approved for a spotlight session in San Antonio. So uh, those are indications that uh, it's working. It's working for a lot of people. So very excited about that. But I you know, wanted to say that because similar to what Stephanie was talking about, clinical trials are something that everybody should consider at every stage of cancer treatment. Um, obviously, in um, discussion with your medical providers and, and understanding what's best for you, your family, your body, et cetera. But the only way that all of us are living including people with early stage cancer is because people participated in clinical trials to test the medication 
utilizing our bodies to see if the medication is something that will help other people. Um, so this is a way that not only can we be exposed to novel, experimental, exciting treatments, but also uh, really affect change and see what could be effective for other people as well. So to me, Inktober, October, raising money for breast cancer, um, focusing on those organizations that raise money for the purpose of clinical trials, for the purpose of research, um, or going the other way from a quality of life perspective. Stephanie talked about this as well. But those organizations that are raising money to look at uh, direct services to patients so that the, the lived experience of metastatic breast cancer is alleviated, the financial toxicity and uh, those other uh, psychosocial things that are so important for that lived experience. But during this month, there's a lot of people asking for money. There's a lot of uh, uh, events. Abigail, how has your perspective or experience with not just October, but just breast cancer in general in society changed since your initial diagnosis up until now? I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of issues. And I have a lot of issues in this context because my mother is a 20-year cancer survivor. Amazing. She had DCIS a little over 20 years ago. And after her diagnosis, she walked in all the walks. And she wore the pink sparkly tiaras and the boas and the, you know, whatever, rhinestone encrusted bras and all of those things. And she was excited and it helped her to walk with the survivors and to celebrate that cancer was behind her. And I did a lot of those walks and I raised a lot of money uh, through my law firm. And personally, we raised money. And in the context of the different things that we participated in, what I believed we were doing was raising money for the cure because that was what was advertised. When I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer in 2017, I learned that much of that money that I thought was going towards the cure was actually going towards other things, looking at prevention, education, but it was not for the purpose that I thought I was raising money for, that I thought was happening. And so I, I carry a whole lot of betrayal that, that those organizations were presenting something that wasn't real, that wasn't truthful, or maybe was just more nuanced than what they wanted to talk about. And so I struggle a lot with those same organizations, not saying that those organizations are bad, and I'm not naming any of them because that, that's not what this is about, right? My, my concern, my issue, and a lot of times my struggle this month is I felt very duped. I felt very betrayed that I participated in something that I thought was one thing and, and was actually something a little bit different. And so this month is hard for me, other than some of these other things that people talked about in terms of being bombarded with all the pink stuff. Um, I, I, I feel that sense of betrayal and a, and a struggle to participate in things uh, because I'm always questioning, what am I missing? What don't I know? because I, I learned after the fact that things were very different from what I thought they were. So that, that's one thing that, that, is, that is influencing, I think, a lot of how I look at this month and how I participate in um, events and, and that sort of thing this month. Thank you, Abigail. 
Amy, I'd love to get your thoughts on fundraising for breast cancer, because it doesn't just happen in October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month or on Giving Tuesday in November or different times of the year when people are asking for donations. It really happens, especially if you're running a nonprofit, we are constantly in this cycle of you know asking for donor dollars to support our programming. I'd love to get your thoughts on and the whole discussion of where does the money go? I don't necessarily feel like if your money is being donated, if it's going to an organization that gives back to the breast cancer patient or their family or provides options, um, surviving breast cancer is great about that. It has other opportunities for us to be around other women with breast cancer, but also allow us to do other activities that are not just cancer focused. So I feel like we have to figure out how to live and learn. And there are many organizations out there that do that. So if you're giving money, the one thing I would say is make sure your money, you know where your money's going. Like it's not going to pay the overhead or the travel for all the executives and stuff like that. Make sure that it's given back to the community or for research. And if they say they're doing research, how much money do they give to research? And is the funding matched? And which direction? Um, And for the metastatic community, we want it to go to metastatic research, not just random stuff. But I really feel like, too, one thing that I've thought about this past year is I want to be able to experience life with other people that live like the same diagnosis, but also get that we need to do other activities. So that's my plug on it. And the pink stuff at Walmart, it's really not going to breast cancer research. I just got to say it. The tag says it is, but it's not. Just do research for yourself. Like Amy said, make sure that you know where your money is going. When you do donate something, don't buy something supporting breast cancer from Walmart. Not unless that's just you want to buy a piece of clothing. Um, void the the emblem on it. But um I just think it's just so uh, wrong that we have organizations out here that, I, you know, early detection and 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 all of that is is so needed. We we are aware, but I think now that you should kind of like switch your focus a little bit um, to um, I Abigail just floored me when I I think about a plane load, you know, because I'm on planes a lot. It's you know that amount of people dying every day with metastatic breast cancer should not occur in the United States of America because I say to that is we found a, a vaccine for freaking COVID in less than a freaking year. I mean, really? I mean, come on. Come on. If you can get pharmaceutical companies to work together and not have to, this is the way I feel about the organizations too. Everybody, if they share their shit and get it done, we wouldn't be dying. So no, the obvious thing here is I see nobody wants to cure us because there's too much money in it. So I'm going to leave that right there on the table. And my friends that are out there in pharma, I'm sorry, I'll still love you, but somebody's got to pull the plug on it and it would be me. Abigail, we often hear that approximately 5% of all research dollars for breast cancer actually go to metastatic breast cancer research. And I understand that that is a little bit of a controversial number, but that I think is what we hear when people are just throwing out, you know, it's a very small percentage that is actually going to solve the problem, that there is no cure for metastatic breast cancer and we continue to lose people every single day. 
This isn't to say that, you know, prevention and education aren't important, but, you know, as we're talking today, it is critical that funding goes to metastatic research. Abigail, as someone living with metastatic breast cancer, can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts and perspective around research dollars going towards metastatic research? People think about uh, research that is specific to metastatic breast cancer in different ways. So I just want to say how I look at this. When I am talking about research that goes to metastatic breast cancer, that to me is solving the problem of metastatic breast cancer, meaning why does metastatic breast cancer, why does it metastasize? Why does it, sorry, not metastasize. Why does it progress? Why can we not get a hold of it? Why can we not solve the problem of metastatic breast cancer? What research into metastatic breast cancer is not prevention. Prevention is not research into metastatic breast cancer. Preventing early stage from becoming metastatic breast cancer, that's not metastatic breast cancer research in my view. When I say metastatic breast cancer research, that is research that's going into medication that is going to keep all of us alive until they find a cure for metastatic breast cancer. But a lot of people, a lot of organizations will lump in those studies that are looking at prevention with metastatic breast cancer research. And while I understand some of that thought process, the point that I think is really important for everybody to understand is that it is a very small amount of money, in my opinion, too small amount of money, that is being allocated to really looking at solutions to keeping us alive, Uh, solutions to solving why the cancer cells keep outsmarting all of the medication that we're throwing at it. And in my view, that's where I want to be effective. That's where I want to help raise money and get um, researchers really excited at looking at things like treatment resistance. Um, Most recently, uh, I had progression and the biopsies demonstrated that I have developed something called an ESR1 mutation. And that is something that a lot of people develop after being on endocrine therapy, which is something that a lot of us are put on. And when our bodies, our very cells uh, mutate to the point where those medications are no longer effective, that is when people tend to uh, have a lot of different treatments fail them. And that is unfortunately where we see a lot of people decline and pass away. And so when we talk about metastatic breast cancer research, that's what we need to solve. We need to solve why people blow through treatments, why the cancer cells continue to mutate. And we need to solve this issue of metastatic breast cancer because yes, I absolutely 1000% don't want anybody to go through this diagnosis, but you can't forget about those who are already, those of us who are already living with metastatic breast cancer. We're not throwaways. We are worth the money being put into saving our lives. And let me just say one more thing, Stephanie, I see that you are unmuted. So I will come to you next and then we'll, we'll wrap up. But what I have observed over the last six years is that the medications that are developed for metastatic breast cancer, and I'm thinking right now of the CDK4-6 inhibitors, the Ibrance, Cascali, and Versenio, that medication is now being used to ensure that people diagnosed with early stage don't become metastatic. And so I firmly believe that what we need to think about 
is triage. We solve the issue for those of us who are already dying. And then that information, that solution will trickle down to every single other person who may be predisposed to developing breast cancer, who may have an early stage breast cancer diagnosis, who may be on the way to developing a metastatic breast cancer diagnosis. It is 30% of those people with an early stage diagnosis who become metastatic. Um, So if we solve the issue of metastatic breast cancer, it will actually help everybody else. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about the research and everything regarding, you know, metastatic breast cancer, a hundred percent with you on that. And I have found and, and see in the black community is that we need to know more about genomic and genetic testing. And it's not the same. And when we have progression and we start to blow through um, those treatments or and they fail us, um, I think that's when the questions need to come up about testing the tumor to see if you've had that mutation, that you may be able to uh, have another treatment that wasn't in the toolbox originally because you've had a mutation and your subtype has changed or something like that. Um, and, and that's another thing, you know, being black, <laughs> we don't get that opportunity to. So, um, you know, again, I'm trying not to put a lot more on the patient. That's me because I don't like no more patient burden than I can. I, I don't, I, I really don't. But when it comes to trying to save my life, um, bring it on, you know, because I'm going to ask, I'm going to have the questions. Um, I'm going to keep you on task to save my life. And I hate to be the one that tries to help you do your job because I'm not getting the pay cut, you know, cut of your pay at all, but I'm going to be around a long time to make your life miserable. So you need to figure out about the genomic testing and, and all the new stuff coming down the pipe. I'll bring you the paperwork to show you so we can stay on task. And, and that as a black woman, we all need to be, be doing that and try to find out, know what questions that you need to ask. And, and there are so many people out there willing to help you um, to, to do that and to fight for your own life. And unfortunately that's what we have to do almost every day, even though I hate to say, you know, I'm a warrior and all that crap, you know, I'm just another human being trying to make a buck and stay alive. But anyway, um, just wanted to add about the genomic testing because that was not available when I got when I got diagnosed in 2018. My diagnosis is triple negative both times at 2018 and 2021. In 2021, my oncologist sent my tumor for genomic testing, and it was found that I had the PDL1 mutation, which led them to give me the immunotherapy Keturah, which was not available before. So absolutely, absolutely, genomic testing is extremely important. Thank you for sharing that, Claudia. And that is an excellent example of putting money into metastatic breast cancer research meant that Claudia had a different option. that's, That's the whole point right there. Numbers are misleading. And sometimes I, I get really upset when I hear numbers that are skewed in some direction specifically for the agenda that a person wants to wants to move forward. And the 5%, uh, and we have to remember this, that all of the uh, trials 
start at metastatic patients. This is what happens. The, the, it's not just CDK4-6 inhibitors. The, uh, all the HER2-positive related trials. The, the Catherine trial is the follow-up of the uh, um, CDM1 that was approved for uh, metastatic breast cancer patients. So we do get quite a bit of uh, resources. It's not 5%. It's a lot more than 5%. But when we're talking about 5%, what we mean is specifically exactly what Abigail said. The research, the basic research, the bench research about what, what causes cancers to, to become metastatic. Why? About the microenvironments, microbiome. Those are specifically for the metastatic breast cancer community. And I agree with... Abigail, we definitely need more. We need more and we need to fundraise more. And I'm I'm very grateful to organizations like Twisted Pink and MetaViber and all the other organizations that raise funds for exactly this, for seed money for the research. And that's what's important. But the number 5% that's being thrown around is uh, is quite misleading. We, we, we can make statistics say pretty much what, whatever it is, but, yes. but I think the important point is that not enough not it enough. is going towards that's, what we need. That, that's exactly Whatever right. the number is, it could be 5%, it could be 15%, maybe it's 50%, some people think it's that, but but I, I right. think the, the point is is it, it's not enough, no. whatever the number is. So thank right. you, and I, It needs to be trustworthy. When we use yes. statistics, when we use the numbers, we have to use them very cautiously. We don't want to mislead people and uh, mistrust us. So that that's important. My friends, such a rich and important conversation. Thank you for shining the spotlight on your personal experiences and enlightening us on really doing our own research and following the money, if you will. Where does it go? How is it being used? And does that align with where you want the money to go, whether that is for direct services, supporting patients through you know, emotional health and wellness programs like what we do here at survivingbreastcancer.org, if it is providing financial assistance and other wraparound services to those diagnosed, or if it is going to support research, specifically metastatic research, because as we heard and learned today, that's really where it needs to start and we will all benefit as that research trickles down and supports early stagers. So thank you all again for being on today's panel. I look forward to next week where we continue with the dialogue for our part three of our three-part series. And thank you everyone for listening to our show. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast are from personal experiences and are not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always contact your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. Until next time, keep on thriving.